0: From the Credit Union National Association, this is the CUNA News Podcast. Credit Union people. Credit Union ideas. During Women's History Month, people reflect on the courage of women from past generations and celebrate how their efforts molded women into who they are today. I'm Jennifer Plager, Managing Editor with CUNA News. I recently spoke with Lily Newfarmer, President and CEO at Tarrant County's Credit Union in Fort Worth, Texas, Jan Page, President and CEO at Community South Credit Union in Chipley, Florida, and Heather Walter, CEO at Advanced Credit Union in Louisville, Kentucky. The three women are members of the Credit Union Women's Leadership Alliance, or CULA, which serves female CEOs of credit unions with assets of less than $300 million. They spoke about Women's History Month, women who have inspired them, their role as leaders, mentoring the next generation of female leaders, and more. Lily, why don't you tell me a little bit about your background and and how you got to where you are today and what you do?
1: I'm a military brat, have lived around the world, didn't land in the U.S. until I was 14, didn't know any English until I was nine, was really pretty confident that I wanted to be a a journalist like the next Diane Sawyer, was sort of in my mindset. And in the mid-80s, I moved back to the United States because things were a little scary and my dad knew the board of the chairman of the credit Union. Because I wasn't staying, I just needed a short time gig, right? something to get me over until I'd go back abroad to work. And I started and it just kind of got in my blood. And next thing I know, I was the CFO and then before I moved to Texas and then moved to Texas sort of along the same lines of that gig and then became the CEO within, I think, three years, 21 years in now. So. It sounds super exciting and sexy, and it wasn't. But I look back, and I'm so grateful that that my dad had the wherewithal to continue to expose us to that. He always made us live amongst the locals when all our friends lived on the base, and I was like, I just want to, right? And I hated that as a kid, but I'm so grateful now. I think it has made me come up, become a leader with a very broad perspective, and I think that's been beneficial in my
0: in my role. Heather, what's your story?
1: Well, I started fresh out of high
2: school at a local community bank, a very small bank. Started as a teller, which I thought was a pretty good job. really enjoyed that work and knew I enjoyed working with people. Moved to accounting, did some proof deposits, all kinds of things, you know, just very similar to credit unions, you wear a lot of hats. So I had a lot of experience. I was taking my college classes full-time in the evenings, and I met a credit union board member that was in a lot of my finance classes. And he was telling me about this opportunity at a credit union where the manager was retiring. So I interviewed for that job in front of their entire board of nine men. And I was 22 years old and they gave me the job. I would train under the manager for about a year and be the assistant manager and then take over when he left. So just a wonderful experience, you know, a lot of trust and faith put in me at that moment, which I thought I could do anything at that age. And now looking back, I got it done, but it's, it was
0: a trust exercise for all of us. And what about you, Jan? I grew up
3: in a farm family. And so where everyone had to pitch in to get the job done. And I came up from the accounting side, my degrees in accounting, and worked in corporate accounting for a number of years before going into banking, and then finally the credit union, and started at the credit union as CFO for about five years, and I've been CEO for 15.
0: Now, you've all, you know, you've told your, your credit union stories. You all sound like, you know, you started and worked your way up through various roles within, within the credit unions, and now, and now you're all presidents and CEOs. What does being in that leadership role mean to you? Heather, do you want to start with this one?
2: I look at all the faith and trust that was placed in me in, in developing me going through the ranks, and I, I want to offer that same opportunity to our staff, and I want to really pinpoint and understand the ones that are happy where they're at, which is wonderful, but there are others that want to be more, and how we pick those people and put them on the right path to continue to grow, I think is really important
1: and means a lot to me. You know, I just take the role on such a level of, of- responsibility like I feel uber responsible for the well-being of my team and of my members and and a lot of times it it actually becomes sort of not the detriment but sometimes doesn't always become a priority and it should someone asked me and I didn't really think about it for a long time I just kept going and going and going and going and still do but someone asked me just sort of off cuff well well who takes care of Lily what does and I started crying and I, ne- I mean, I got emotional over that and I'm like, gee, I, you know, I've been a single mom for many, many years and divorced for many, many years. So I don't have the significant other part. And so, but I have really, really close family ties. We're very supportive of one another, but it made me think about the, golly, maybe I should carve out time. I mean, I have fun and I have friends and all of that, but I, I, I take this role and this job so seriously. In that I get I can't make everybody happy and please everybody and make my team always responsive and what they need to be but I have this thing about whoa it's on my watch when it's on my watch we're going to be at this other level and it's been part of our success story for sure but as I'm looking at legacy and and leaving in the next few years I'm really starting to think about what can it look like for me so that's off topic a little bit, I, I know, but I think for me, it's just so this level of responsibility of making sure things are okay and everyone's okay.
0: And Jan, what about you? I
3: completely agree with both what Heather and Lily said, that sense of responsibility over everyone's well-being in the staff development And in addition to that, it's been important for me to allow mistakes to happen and it be okay. Goodness knows I've made some big mistakes and some expensive mistakes in my different careers. And and I had others that helped me through those and give me grace and help me grow through them. And so it's, it's really important for me to share that, to let people know, you know, they didn't know me back then. They didn't see those mistakes that I made, but it's okay. And I always say, I mean, it's not brain surgery. You know, thankfully, we can recover from your mistakes and it'll be okay and you'll grow from it and we'll grow from it.
0: Now, you've all kind of touched a little bit on on this, but if somebody came up to you and said, hey, describe your leadership style, how would you describe your style?
3: I am very open and transparent, and so I like to um, share my thought process with others so that they can see how I derived at that decision. And I'm also open to being challenged. That doesn't bother me. It doesn't make me defensive. I am fine being challenged and others challenging my decision. It helps I think it helps us come up to the best decision that we can make for our staff and our communities and, and our members. And so I think very collaborative from a leadership standpoint.
0: And what about you, Heather?
2: In very similar to Jan and her style. Collaboration is really important, getting participation from the team, you know, really sitting and talking about the decision and figuring out the best way to arrive at that decision together. I I think it takes the team to to make the whole decision. And and in the end, you know, maybe we disagree and someone has to have the, the final word and lead us down the path. But I think explaining the process and people to understand how we arrived at this decision is really important.
1: Lily, what about you? You know, I think my personality type is I'm very much a driver, I believe in collaborative efforts, no doubt, but I also hold people to account and I understand that many don't have the same energy and or desire for sort of the end game or the end result. You know, I'm I'm very fast paced and I'm patient and I allow people grace, but I also am pretty firm in XYZ needs to happen, right? And so I, 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 absolutely lead from instinct i have a true north now we'll try your way (laughs) let's do that and a lot of times their way is correct because i get so fixated on you know my i have this firm vision for the end game and result i mean i can see it i can taste it and and bringing people along at the same time when we're not on the same page is not easy i've learned over the years that i have to just leave the room and or sit on my hands or let things marinate and once i do that then it's okay right but i'm i am pretty authoritative and it's i think i make my team crazy honestly (laughs) i think in a good way right I, i i have a lot of team members who've been with me a long time so it makes me feel like that says something right but i am i'm i'm pretty chop chop
0: how do your teams respond to your to your leadership styles
1: well just on the heels of that i had an assistant that would say oh my gosh i'm so pleased that i haven't seen you like cry like in a while she's more very emotional very and and i said so that that makes me happy and she said Oh, I just make sure that I go to the other branch or to another building or somewhere. And I'm then still, yes. Yeah, so the thing about me is they are, we have very open candid conversations, right? So I help them grow and they absolutely try to help me grow as well. And, it, and so I think that has worked over time, right? Where instead of them saying, Oh no, I'm fine. And they're bawling in the bathroom for, you know s- something that I called them out on or whatever I always try to do it with dignity but honestly and not in front of people right but honestly there are times that critical conversations need to be had and they're not always easy I think it's just doing it in a way that saves folks face and with a little bit of respect right
3: it takes People a little bit getting used to me, I think. And I think that's with anybody in a leadership position and what's okay to say, what's not okay to say. I remember early on, I wanted to try something in in the branch and I've never been a teller or, or a loan officer. I mean, I, I came up the, the back office and, and at the time we had a very small staff and the head teller came to me and she said, Jen, that will never work. I'm like, yes, it will. And I tried to explain to her all the reasons it would work. She's like, it it just, it doesn't work that way. And so she really had to just reel me in a little bit. And all these years later, I remember it because I was, I was plowing forward with my idea. I thought it was going to be the greatest thing ever. And and she just she had gumption to come to me and say no it won't work and she's still with me and she's grown with me through the organization, and is now a senior vice president you know right along with me and so to to have that ability to stand up and say no I think others you know as they come in and getting used to me then then they respond. And they'll—they know I've put a lot of thought into my decisions. And Lily, I think you know your instinct. I think we all have an instinct. That's why we've—we've we've gotten to the level that we're at. That's important for us to show others is that there is an instinct, there is a gut, and sometimes you have to have the data to back it up to be able to to pull the trigger that but, but in your gut, you know the, the right and the wrong and to trust that, to trust that instinct in, in that decisioning.
2: I like that word as well. And, and I think there's a lot of truth to that. It, it is a lot of instinct. It's, you know, how many of us are in a situation you could really quote what the policy says when you have to make a decision immediately for safety or whatever the issue is. You just, you do what feels right and and you know it's right no matter what the the policy and procedure would have said so there there's a lot of truth to that i i'm not a very patient person and that's something i will eventually tackle i guess but i do take the time to try to look at at all the pros and cons to a very annoying level with my staff. But, you know, it's easy. It's great to have ideas and you don't want to damper those creative thoughts, but you got to work through, you know, what's the downside? What's the worst that can happen? Let's talk about, you know, did you think about this and kind of walk through that with somebody? And it goes back to explaining the thought process. But but I think in the end it makes everyone stronger because they know we're going to look at all angles to to make the decision or to
1: to grow together. I want to add something to that really quickly too. In that, if if COVID didn't teach us or 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 prove up right this instinct leadership skill set or you just innately have it, I don't know how anybody can learn it really. Is was around agility, right? Because. I, I know myself and these other two ladies were making decisions on the fly and they were impactful to members' lives, right? And so I never led from that space and what I saw with my team that made me really glad that I'm a forceful leader in that, you know, I had team members that I thought had more agility and I'm not saying they were under their desks shivering with fear, but, but couldn't pull a trigger on a decision because they were such almost life-altering, impactful decisions. Do we close? Do we not close? How do we serve members in a a safe environment, et cetera, et cetera? And I think it proved up more than anything as far as that instinct piece is the sometimes you just have to lead with your gut and cross your fingers and close your eyes and hop on one foot and and hope for the best because we were all in situations that we would never been exposed to. And so now in, in my shop, we are actually training on agility, on wh- what do you do when you gotta pull the trigger? And, and you're the only one that can make that decision, what do we do? And those conversations have been so intricate and important in our leadership development in our team because that's something we never thought about training up on agility or flexibility or instant decisioning, right? Because it was more all about the balance sheet right and other type of leadership styles and what but this whole notion around oh my gosh what do we do because this is such an unusual time no one can say or has a playbook right to say well this is what i did and so i know just from my kula sisters here that and because we have many conversations around during COVID and around COVID and sharing best practices that at least these two ladies and probably the rest of the founders as well came from a place of, well, it's on our watch. This is what we do and and not for the faint of heart, most certainly. I just wanted to throw that in there because that was such a pivotal, critical sort of learning opportunity for all of us. And not everyone came out really well on the other side. Leaders who run smaller credit unions, especially.
0: Shifting gears a little bit, as I mentioned, this podcast is going in March when we're celebrating Women's History Month. And what does Women's History Month mean to you?
2: I'm going to say that I, I feel like the credit union industry has given me chances as a woman that the banking industry and some other industries wouldn't have. You know, I feel at home here. I feel respected in the industry. And I just think as a female leader, that's a little harder in some other industries. So I want to start there. But as I lead through kind of the history of credit unions and where we started, I'm I'm very proud of CULA and being a part of this organization and you know watching it grow from the origin. But And I think that's huge for what's been done. But I look back at, like, Louise Herring and some of the the credit union founders, and I think of what they did. You know, she was 23. And I still just – it makes me think we've got a lot of work to do yet uh, in the industry as a whole to
1: even come close to what the people before us did. Yeah, and the Dora Maxwells. And then, you know, you can go on and on, and they did not have – You know, we've come a long way, baby, but we've not come all the way, right? There's still so much around, you know, just variances in pay and what have you. But, you know, my first and second CEOs from my very first credit union and both of them at the same credit union, one retired, moved, and then the other one stepped up. But at any rate, extremely different leadership styles, but both really impactful in a smaller organization. And man, I watched them like a hawk. And, and it, it developed me as a female leader, especially in, in the credit union space around sort of what to do and what not to do. And I, I don't hit it, the mark every time, not even close. But, you know, women running smaller credit unions, especially, there was, there's a lot of us, and there's a lot of us because not so much today, but certainly 20, 30 years ago and past, men didn't necessarily want that job it didn't have enough status, it didn't have enough pay, it didn't, it's a lot of work, right, to run a smaller credit union, and so I just look for, for, as far as it being, you know, the, the month of the woman or what have you next month, I, female leaders, especially in our smaller credit union space, to me where we have to wear multiple hats, I am so proud of the work that they do, and that we hear time and time again from our members at CULA, all women who run smaller shops, it's 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 mind blowing to me, and it's also awe inspiring, and it makes me think. Heck yeah, we we need our own month to celebrate because it's a big dang deal. We tease each other in a way. Like one day, not so much anymore. But one day, we'll you know we might be running a window, or or approving a loan, and plunging the toilet, or mowing the lawn. I've done all of that, right? And so, it just is what it is, and just so much love and respect for. For the women that are out there and things have improved but we're not there not by a long shot
3: I can remember my um, mother handled all finances for my family but she signed her checks Mrs. my dad's name not her name and I, I mean I'm not that old and that wasn't that long ago that that women really didn't have rights within, you know, to own property or to have a checking account, or even if they could legally do it, no one would give it to them. No one would give them a checking account without their husband on the account or, you know. And so when I think about women's history, I think about the women that fought for that, that fought for those rights. You know, our children just would find it ludicrous that that women didn't always vote. Again, my mother would joke that she voted to cancel out daddy's vote because she didn't agree with the way he was voting. So she, she felt that was her sole purpose. And so just to not forget that there was a time when we couldn't, and now we can and so how do we set, what is there still out there? What are the barriers still there? And what's going to keep our daughters from being everything that they want to be? And how do we set that up? And so then they can take, they can take the reins and, and, and keep it moving to the next generation.
0: Are there women in history, either a past woman, a historical woman, somebody you know nowadays, somebody that's famous that that you all kind of look up to or has inspired you? For me, it's
3: my two grandmothers. My mother's mother, her husband passed away when she was pregnant with twins, which would have been her sixth and seventh child. And, And so here she is at that time, a single mother. At raising these children and the fortitude that that took to be able to do that, and on my dad's side, my grandmother. I'm from a beekeeping family, and she really she researched. And changed the direction of our family's business by becoming, we were queen breeders and and we actually produced honeybees and sold honeybees. But we would not have done it before we were mainly honey producers. And she said, this is not the way. This is not the way for this business to survive. And she researched it and changed it and change the, change the whole dynamic of our family that now five generations later is still happening. She, she would say she was not stubborn, she's determined. And that is her. She, she was just determined and just a force to be reckoned with. And I think about them a lot when I think, when I go down a certain track, I'm like, okay, I can do this. I think mine would have to be my mother. I I think any, and
2: really anybody that is trying to have a career, raising a family, I I just, I I don't know, you know, talking about wearing a lot of hats somewhere. I'm very thankful that somewhere between my mother's generation and my generation, the female doesn't do everything at home as much as they used to, which has helped a ton. But I, I mean, just the, the sheer juggling of all the, the female friends I have, whether you know they're single mothers with a career or, or married with a career and just trying to, to run the household
1: and the the work job, it's just amazing to me. Just to piggyback on what Jan and Heather both shared, and I, you know, I come from from very strong women stock. I mean, absolutely the female leaders in their families, right? So both both of my grandmothers and my grandfathers passed early. One was 40 and the other was, I think, 42 and left to run the families and the households and, and did an amazing job in times where it was a lot harder than what we deal with today. And then, you know, my mom, who married someone that fell in love and married someone that they didn't even have a common language right my mother from spain my dad's first duty assignment was in spain and met my mom and my dad learned spanish fairly quickly but my mom traveled the world with him from duty assignment to duty assignment whether it was places where there wasn't spanish and there wasn't even english and then she learned english and became a citizen and, and did that whole path and you know was a stay-at-home mom because she was the first one it sort of in in her her and her lineage where she was afforded that luxury because my dad was around until he died early as well and so it's it's i've watched them as well i've just had really really strong women influences and it it gave me it forged a path for me as i watched them and thought that's the right way to be Right, And so I, I feel so lucky that I didn't have, you know, we all know the stories of, of moms and grandmas and aunts and uncles and my sisters who are so amazing, who didn't necessarily come from or fell on bad times and struggled, right? And, and, and how as a youngster, you had to live within that realm. I didn't have that. We didn't have a lot, but man, my mom was fierce, and she didn't even know english and she would go to the school and threaten to kick the football coach's butt because he was mean to my brother <laughs> and she's all a five foot three right she kicked off her shoes she did that whole latina thing and oh my god and so you know that fire that fire in her belly i i watched my 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 female family leaders in, including my sisters and my grandmas and my mom and made me go okay i i guess i probably didn't have any other choice to to be like them, but I'm very proud to have that fire in my belly and stand up for what I feel is not right or inequitable or what have you. And So I'm, I'm, I'm a proud Latina slash German slash American slash America, right? And so, but mostly I'm just proud of the female influences I've had in my life, including these two ladies that are on this call.
0: Earlier on, you know, you all kind of mentioned running a small credit union, you're wearing a lot of hats, challenges are inevitable, they're, they're going to come up too. So who do you turn to advice or guidance when when you're faced with with a challenge?
1: You know, I, for me, I have sisters who I'm very close with two of them. And although they don't understand the business, they do understand and get and love me. <laughs> With all the weird stuff, right? So they know, then they'll say, oh, "Lily, that's a little aggressive," or you know. And so, that's been very helpful. And then I have a group of uh, female credit union CEOs outside of Kula, who I've known for years, and we've kind of grew up in the space, and we travel. And a couple of them are already retired. They 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 also provide such wonderful insights, and they run much much larger credit unions, so they've been great sounding boards for strategy and just stuff like that. But then ultimately my Kula sisters, who in the end, because we all come from this same place of what it takes to run a smaller credit union, they have been not just inspirational but wonderful sounding boards.
3: Yeah, I think it's the same for me. I've turned to my um, the Kula members, and especially the original founders, just because we've been together for longer, and I know them better. But in addition to them, I have some CEO friends more local to me, because sometimes what I'm facing—I mean, sometimes geography matters. <laughs> And most of them are men, but I turn to them and get that perspective. And a few in particular that I can, you know, just say, Am I crazy? Am I thinking about this right? what you know am I am I off the chain what you know what's happening and no matter what first before I call anybody I don't I don't do anything until the next day even if it's bothering me even if it's I just sleep on it and then the next day if I still need to run it past somebody or need to talk to somebody I'll start emailing and making phone calls. I do think it is important to have those CEOs that you can talk to because you don't know what it's like to sit in the chair until you sit in the chair. And it is as much as I trust and value my executive team in and there's a place where I can take things to them, but in the end it it's just a greater level of responsibility. And sometimes you just have to get the perspective of CEOs. And that's where I feel credit unions are just in such a better place from a collaboration standpoint that you can call and admit a weakness or admit, even if it's not a weakness, I'm not sure what to do. or I've never seen this before, you know, whatever it is. And, and have that vulnerability.
0: Another thing that usually comes up when we're talking about networking is that idea of mentoring. What, what's kind of your stance on mentoring and why it's important and what's been your involvement with it, either as a mentor or a mentee?
1: So I've been on both sides of that fence and, and you're talking to three women who believe very firmly in this and, the, and to the point that, that CULA has created a, a CULA coaching program, right? So because we feel like that is such a key component of not just giving back, but learning from. So, so I just finished up a, just a one-on-one. It was pretty informal. if Someone asked me if I would. And so for, for the last year, I've met with this individual, another crediting professional, not in my credit union. And honestly, I every time this happens, I learn more. My takeaways are way more than what I give. And so we don't know all the answers, but I think if, if you can chat with somebody who's walked a mile, right, in in your shoes, it's so beneficial and so helpful. So I'm a firm believer. We, I think I mentor people who who don't even know I'm, <laughs> that I'm doing it. <laughs> I mean, just this, yeah, sort of covert mentoring, but anything that's formal, formalized, I think is so beneficial for both the mentor and the mentee. At least that's been my my experience. I've never
3: been in a formal mentor or situation. I do feel like I had managers or leaders in my past who really took me in and, and took the time to explain what they were doing. And and helped me learn that way in the credit union industry, and, and even before I worked in the credit union industry and others. And so I feel like they saw potential in me and helped guide me, and and show me what I what I was capable of, and pushed me to do more. And then from a mentor, I've really not had a been a professional mentor. I just try to to be that. I try to when I see someone who who has that potential and who who needs those growth opportunities to like Lily said, unofficially mentor them, but but to, you know, prod them and push them and, and show them what they're capable of
0: what kind of advice do you have for young females who are in the credit union movement, who maybe they're just starting out as a teller, or maybe they're coming in, you know, as a loan officer or somewhere else, or, and they, they want to grow. What What kind of advice do you have for them?
1: Get involved, get involved, get involved. There's so much to do in the movement. There is so much. And honestly, if you, that's one thing I do support with my team is, Join the chapter, join the league, join the. We'll find ways to carve out your work. Whatever, join, join, join. Such great leadership growth opportunities. But I also say, if you're in a shop where that isn't supported, I I would jump. That I've said that on more more than one occasion because they are stifling, right? This this someone who really is on fire and has the passion to do. There are future leaders. I'm all about get them on board, man. We need the talent. We need the drive. We need the passion. And there's this whole, you know, don't bite off more than you can chew. But I also feel like it's why leadership roles are given to busy people because they can manage. Right. And and more than anything, it's the takeaways and, and then selfishly what they bring back to my shop. Yeah and
3: a lot of leagues and associations young professional groups join them look for somebody who who can mentor you lily's right we're looking you know as leaders we're looking for those that want to grow and want to be developed and have that desire and again if your leadership team is not looking for that Find somebody who is. And even if you have to go outside of your credit union to to find that mentor, do it and start looking for opportunities.
2: If I could go back in time, I think I wish it didn't take me so long to find my voice. I feel like, you know... I would tell young leaders, you know, not to be scared to, to step up and, and find that person to connect with, you know, speak up, ask those questions. I, I wish I would have done it sooner would be one thing I would go back and change, kind of surround myself with that, that group faster.
0: Thanks for listening to the CUNA News Podcast. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher Radio.